rates of use of pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV remain low in the United States, and there are stark racial and ethnic inequities in both HIV incidence and PrEP use. One strategy for reducing barriers to access could involve making PrEP available over-the-counter. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Douglas Krakauer, an infectious disease physician at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and an Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Krakauer has co-authored a perspective article about over-the-counter access to PrEP. Dr. Krakauer, what formulations of PrEP are currently available and how are they used? Currently available formulations for PrEP include some oral options and then recently an injectable option that was made available. The oral options include a daily or intermittent use of tenofovir disaproxyl fumarate with emtricitabine. It's a once daily fixed dose combination tablet, formerly had the brand name Truvada and now is available also in a generic form. And that can be used for pretty much anyone who would benefit from PrEP, all populations in terms of either sexual exposure to HIV or from injection drug use. And for some populations, including men who have sex with men, it's been studied and shown to be efficacious in a planned on-demand use where you can use it right before and shortly after any sexual contacts that could involve HIV exposure. More recently, there was also another oral option that's available just for men who have sex with men and transgender women, which is tenofovir alafenamide with emtricitabine, also a once daily fixed dose combination tablet. It hasn't been studied for that intermittent type of use yet, and it's only been FDA approved for people who don't engage in receptive vaginal intercourse just because there are no clinical data in other populations thus far. So those are the two oral options that are available. And the injectable long-acting formulation of PrEP, which is an integrase inhibitor called cabotegravir, is something that can be used as an injection where you load the injection every month for two months and then you use it bi-monthly thereafter and so it's a really nice option that's just being rolled out for people who either can't or don't want to take daily or intermittent pills. So how are patients affected by current requirements that they obtain a prescription for PrEP and then undergo laboratory monitoring while they're using it? People have a lot of barriers to accessing PrEP now and the rates of PrEP use are far below what CDC would hope they estimate about 1.2 million people in the U.S. would benefit from using PrEP, but only about 30% of that number have access prescriptions. And the barriers are many. One of the barriers is accessing PrEP in healthcare settings. It's hard to find appointments with clinicians, and if you do, it can be inconvenient or even infeasible. People have roles as caregivers. They have jobs. Other people have a lot of psychosocial challenges to getting into care. They may have mental illness, they may have substance use disorders, people may be young and not empowered to seek healthcare, they may lack insurance or be unable to afford co-pays for healthcare. So all the barriers that impede access to healthcare in general also apply to PrEP. And for people accessing PrEP who are generally going to take preventive medicine, not for a diagnosis they already have, it can be insurmountable to enter the clinical space in a way that makes sense for PrEP. PrEP actually requires, based on CDC guidance now, quarterly visits and monitoring to do adherence check-ins and laboratory testing to make sure that it's being well-tolerated and used in a manner that's safe. And so this is a lot for people to get into care. There are a lot of places where people who may be at risk for HIV and who would benefit from PrEP don't have access to insurance at all. There are states where Medicaid was not expanded, so lots of people are uninsured or underinsured. And even though there are patient assistance programs that can help the vast majority of people access PrEP, they're very complicated. 
and hard to navigate. In fact, there are whole careers around being prep navigators to help people get through these complex insurance or financial assistance systems to get on prep and to stay on it. And even then, sometimes people find themselves facing bills for provider fees or co-pays. And those are also big barriers. Adolescents and young adults who may be on their parents' healthcare insurance in terms of payments for healthcare may want to use PrEP, but not want their parents to know about it. And so they may actually decline to seek it out because they worry that parents will have some information on an explanation of benefits that they're using PrEP, and therefore they could be outed for their use of PrEP. So a lot of barriers there. Also, the healthcare system hasn't shown itself to be as trustworthy as ideal for multiple populations where the HIV epidemic is creating the most inequities in rates of new infections. So people face homophobia, transphobia, a judgment from clinicians around sexual health. And so a lot of people in populations that may benefit from PrEP may not want to disclose behaviors to healthcare providers because of fear of being judged. And that's a major barrier to accessing PrEP. There's also structural inequities in terms of race and ethnicity. And so the black and brown populations where the rates of HIV are highest and the use of PrEP are actually lowest, also are groups that find healthcare to be less friendly than ideal. So for all these reasons, we have actually in our research agenda tried to figure out ways to improve PrEP access and use in healthcare settings. But we recently realized that over-the-counter access may actually be a way to get around a lot of these barriers. And we've taken some lessons from the oral contraceptive space where there was an application for the first ever over-the-counter oral contraceptive pill and it ended up being approved several weeks ago. And so this revolution in access and oral contraception, we think has a lot of analogies in terms of accessing PrEP, which is also a sexual health-related intervention for many people who use it. And the same things that can help people access oral contraception, we think could apply to people who may benefit from PrEP. And so it may be a way not to supplant clinical access to PrEP, but a way to have an and, another option for people who aren't accessing PrEP healthcare or find it inconvenient or infeasible. You write in your perspective article that of the currently available PrEP formulations, the logical initial choice for over-the-counter access would be a tablet containing tenofovir, disoproxyl fumarate, and amtricitabine. What would be the safety concerns associated with making that available over-the-counter? medication was the first agent approved for use as PrEP in 2012. And so there have been many years of its use in clinical practice and several clinical trials looking at its safety. So a lot is known about the safety considerations. First, I'll mention that it's generally very well tolerated when used for PrEP. It can have uh, several weeks of a gastrointestinal startup syndrome when people take it, but that goes away in the vast, vast majority of people by a month of use. In terms of safety considerations, it is known that this can decrease renal function and this tends to happen in people who are of older ages, over 45 or 50, or who have risk factors for renal disease. But in otherwise healthy people, any changes in creatinine clearance are less common. They tend to be mild and generally reversible in the vast majority of cases when the agent is stopped. So the renal profile issues are well described, but it is something that would need to be considered in terms of over-the-counter use. You'd want to have a label that advised people who were over certain ages, perhaps, or who had risk factors or known renal disease to seek clinician advice before using this medication for PrEP. But for most people who are in the age ranges and otherwise healthy, where they would benefit from using PrEP, renal issues are not that common. And so it should be safe for many, many people. 
Other issues are that this agent is known to decrease bone mineral density in some people who use it for prolonged periods of time. Again, it tends to be mild and reversible when you stop the agent. So it is something that people who have known risk factors or diagnoses of osteoporosis or other bone diseases would also want to seek advice from a clinician before using. But again, osteoporosis is generally uncommon in otherwise healthy people who are in the age ranges that tend to be accessing PrEP, although people can access PrEP from the very young and very old age ranges, and that's an important thing to remember. So people who do have these risk factors would want to seek clinical advice before starting this. Hepatitis B infection is something that's also important to consider. This medication has antiviral activity against hepatitis B. And so if someone has chronic active hepatitis B and they start using tenofovir disaproxyl fumarate with emtricitabine, you could be treating their hepatitis B in addition to using the medication for PrEP. That is totally fine. But if someone has undiagnosed hepatitis B and they don't know about it and they start taking the medication, or even if they do know about it and they start taking the medication, the issue is when you stop it, some people can have a flare-up of their hepatitis B viremia, and that can cause hepatic inflammation. So it's something that's recommended to be monitored if someone has hepatitis B and they're using this medication as PrEP or for hepatitis B treatment, you would want to monitor their liver function testing after stopping the medication, for example, to pick up on any hepatic inflammation. That's something that with over-the-counter PrEP would not be a part of the package because you're not necessarily seeking the same degree of clinical care and monitoring. So you'd also want to have some indication on the label that lets people know if they have hepatitis B, that they should seek counsel from a clinician before using it. Hepatitis B is uncommon in the United States. It is more common in populations that are at risk for HIV acquisition. And so there may be higher prevalence of people with hepatitis B who might seek PrEP in an over-the-counter manner as well. But the risk of having severe liver inflammation after stopping it is relatively low unless people have very advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis. And so, again, you'd want to counsel people if they have a known cirrhosis or advanced fibrosis to seek counsel from a clinician. And there are analogies for these sorts of side effects in other medications that have been available over the counter for many, many years. So ibuprofen and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications have known real side effects. And so if people have renal disease, the same counsel would apply to seek clinician advice before accessing those over-the-counter, or with acetaminophen, which is very commonly used over-the-counter pain reliever. If people have liver disease, they should also seek counsel. So there are a lot of analogies in other over-the-counter spaces that I think could be applied to how you would safely use PrEP in an over-the-counter manner. Another consideration is that if people have undiagnosed HIV and they use PrEP medications, the PrEP medications are not sufficiently potent to actually suppress HIV viremia and be a full treatment regimen. And so you wouldn't want to have people starting or continuing PrEP if they have undiagnosed HIV. That's why for people accessing tenofovir or disaproxyl fumarate with emtricitabine in clinical settings, you would make sure to do HIV testing beforehand. Now for over-the-counter use, it would be important to do some kind of HIV testing before starting as well, because if people are positive, you would want them to access HIV treatment as part of clinical care. There have been over-the-counter approved self-tests for HIV for many years. And so the idea for over-the-counter PrEP would be that people could access a home self-test that they could do, for example, with an oral swab and get the results immediately at home. And if that's negative, then they could know that they were HIV uninfected and start PrEP. One of the challenges is that these home-based self-tests are not as sensitive for diagnosing 
HIV early after infection as laboratory-based tests, which tend to use an antigen test for HIV in addition to an antibody test, whereas the home tests are exclusively an antibody test. So there may be issues with some people who had recent HIV infection and swabbing themselves for an HIV home self-test before starting PrEP over the counter who would actually have recent HIV and would be using PrEP in a manner that's not ideal. And so another thing to counsel people on over-the-counter space would be if you have symptoms that could be suggestive of HIV, which can be protein in terms of fevers, chills, sore throat, a bunch of other things that have a mono-like feel, then they should seek clinical care and laboratory testing before starting PrEP as well. So a lot of considerations. And I think that what we've been trying to advocate in this perspective piece is that the safety considerations are real and important to consider, and yet they can be studied. And we don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good in terms of understanding in an agnostic way whether this is something that overall would be of net public health benefit. If you have a lot of people who aren't accessing PrEP but are otherwise healthy and could actually access it over the counter in a way that is safe and understands how to seek clinical care when needed as opposed to using it over the counter, the idea is maybe you could get lots and lots of people who otherwise aren't accessing PrEP on the medication and improve the public health benefits, potentially even dramatically. And you just want to make sure that as you engage upon that endeavor, we have a careful set of research studies to understand the interest in this, whether people could afford to pay because you'd have to have a very reasonable price point, and then what the safety considerations in terms of bone, kidney, and undiagnosed HIV would mean. The good news in terms of the undiagnosed HIV consideration is that even if people were to actually use PrEP in a case of undiagnosed HIV, most people who would do so, and even if they developed resistance mutations to the two medications that we're talking about here, tenofovir, disoproxyl fumate, or emtricitabine, most people can still take the usual first-line HIV treatment regimens and still have an excellent result with suppression of viremia because the mutations that might emerge on this PrEP medication tend to be ones that are readily overcome by the very potent HIV treatment regimens that we tend to prescribe first-line now. So the safety considerations are real, but there are ways to navigate each of those that we think are worth exploring. So what steps would manufacturers need to take to alleviate some of these safety concerns and to move closer to regulatory approval for over-the-counter PrEP? And have any companies shown any interest in pursuing over-the-counter status? We have learned a lot from colleagues who were part of the coalition to demonstrate the safety and usefulness of over-the-counter contraceptives. And what we've learned from them, because I think there's a similar blueprint that could be applied here for PrEP, given all the analogies between contraception and reproductive health and HIV prevention and PrEP. And important things would be to demonstrate from the body of safety and efficacy data that already exists that this is a safe and effective medication. And I'll say that the work of that has been done in large part by the United States Preventive Services Task Force, which has done a very extensive analysis of the risks versus potential for harms for tenofovir disoproxyl fumate with emtricitabine as part of their 2019 review of PrEP. And they gave PrEP a grade A recommendation, which is its highest recommendation in terms of the balance of net benefits versus harms. So we think there's a very strong understanding of the safety profile. And I think that would be important to present for regulatory approval. Also, some studies that haven't been done would be demonstrating that people can understand if they have indications for using this medication without the advice of a clinician. So whether they meet 
the FDA-approved indications for use, that they may be at risk for exposure to HIV, that they wouldn't access these medications over-the-counter if they have known renal disease, known bone disease, or undiagnosed HIV or hepatitis B, all the safety considerations we talked about before, you have to demonstrate that people can read a label independent of a clinician and make good judgments about whether or not this is something that they have indications for. I think it would also be important to understand the willingness to pay thresholds because if you have to pay for a home test and also a supply of the HIV PrEP medications out of pocket, that could be too expensive for some people who would want to access PrEP. And so ideally, you'd want to have a system that had a robust way of financing this. And for the oral contraceptive sphere, there has been policy legislation that's being introduced to try and ensure that insurance companies will still cover the cost of over-the-counter access for contraceptives. And we want to do the same kinds of things to make sure that over-the-counter PrEP would be affordable for people. And I think that in terms of what manufacturers would need to do, those are some of the issues. I'm not a regulatory expert per se, but we have consulted people who are, and that's the body of issues that they've presented to us. There was also what I would consider kind of mock pharmacy access or over-the-counter access studies for over-the-counter contraceptives that showed that people could do this in a way that was safe and effective in an over-the-counter manner. And so I think we'd want to do similar studies for PrEP to show that people in a simulated environment can use this in an appropriate manner. In terms of interest from manufacturers, we have introduced this idea of over-the-counter access to PrEP recently, and we haven't heard a lot of talk about it beforehand. We haven't seen either advocates or manufacturers discussing this. So I'm not sure what the interest would be. I think that right now there's only one generic PrEP medication, which is tenofovir disaproxyl fumarate with emtricitabine. And the other two options that I mentioned, the other oral option and the injectable options are not generically available. And so I think that in terms of cost considerations, it remains to be seen if a company would want to move forward with over-the-counter access type applications for any of these agents right now. And it's something that we think needs to be explored through research assessments and interviews with people from industry and also from advocates in the community to really understand what this means for multiple stakeholders, including manufacturers, but also including people who would benefit from PrEP use, from clinicians, and from the people who would be likely to use it. So our hope is that over the next few years, this conversation will translate into a research agenda because we need to go in with an agnostic stance here, not knowing that over-the-counter access would in the net be beneficial or that it would in the net be harmful. I think we just need to learn more by gathering information in a rigorous and objective, neutral manner. Thank you, Dr. Krakauer.